Harris is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to win the football game. He ran the missed field goal back. He ran it back 109 yards. They're not going to keep him off the field tonight. Boise State for the win. They hand it off to Johnson. Boise State has won the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl. Can you believe it? He's going for the corner. Kick is blocked. Appalachian State has stunned the college football world. One of the greatest upsets in sports history. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the fifth year podcast. As always, Zach's here and uh, kind of joined by producer Clint Maxey as well. He's not feeling so hot. So he uh, started the recording and laid down. Pretty crazy that through our first season as a podcast, uh, and that season was capped off with a Heisman win uh, by Alabama quarterback Bryce Young. Uh, so really, I would say it was really knowing who would be the Heisman winner this year. I'd say after that Georgia game, it was pretty clear that, that Bryce Young was going to be that guy. So not much of a surprise there, but, but any takeaways from Young winning? or, you know, any of the other finalists? Um, yeah, he's got a chance to win a second one next year, which mm-hmm. um, not I think one guy has ever been able to do. And Archie yep. back-to-back in like 78, 79 or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, he, I mean, he was the most deserving guy, I'd say. Yeah. Um, so, like you said, the performance against Georgia just kind of solidified it. Uh I wonder why uh, – I know why C.J. Stroud got the invite. I'm not going to say I wonder. He's the quarterback at Ohio State. Um, Will Anderson had more first-place votes than – actually, Kenneth Walker the third actually had more first-place votes than C.J. Stroud did. And I know that's not how they guarantee the finalists. Um, there's a little bit more to it than that. But it would have – I guess they already had their quota of one defensive guy, so there was no way they were throwing a second one in there in mm-hmm. Anderson or a running back in there in Walker. But – would have been cool to see one of those guys get an invite. Anderson should have finished higher than fifth. That guy is insane. Yeah, somebody – I can't remember who on ESPN was like – he. I mean, he was like, Bryce Young is not even the best player on his own team, um, which is true if you're just going positionless. I mean, Bryce, Bryce Young is very important to Alabama, and if they win a national championship, he's going to be the reason why. But, um, like, Will Anderson definitely should have been there at least sitting down. I'd probably argue he could have finished above Pickett. But yeah. um, th- there's no way they were going to put two defensive guys in there. No. What's crazy is uh, that Bryce Young's Alabama's first ever Heisman. Yeah, they've all been running backs, right? Yeah, I don't even know. Who- so, Mac Jones, I think, finished runner-up last year. I think Jay Barker finished third or fourth in the 90s. I'm sure McCarron finished in the top ten. But, I mean, they just really – I mean, I guess the – Which it, it is surprising. Oh, no, they've had – okay, they've had a receiver, though. Yeah, they had Devontae. Devontae. Yeah, yeah, duh. Yeah, so Bama's, I think, had, after not having a Heisman winner until uh, Mark Ingram has now had four in, like, the last decade or decade plus. Looking at is, the list right now, which is th- – this is pretty surprising. He's the first quarterback from Bama to win, which includes Bart Starr, Joe Namath, Ken Stabler, Tua Tagovailoa, and Mac Jones. So it is kind of surprising that they were never able to – um, crack that barrier before. 
Yeah, Tua, that one really slipped away. I remember that was the year. Tua had control of that thing all year long, and then I think injuries and Kyler kind of. Yeah, he, he hurt his hip, I think, and then, yeah, Kyler did Kyler stuff. But Yeah, yeah, looking back now, it's kind of funny that Tua was the favorite over Kyler that whole, that whole season, but I'd say Bryce Young is a very deserving winner. It was kind of an underwhelming season for elite quarterbacks, so. I will say, too, I think um, I was more uh, – I thought the outfits were going to be important. I thought Kenny Pickett had the worst outfit. In my yeah. Opinion. I what do you think about the matching outfits with, with uh, Bryce and his dad? I didn't even see that. I did like Bryce's outfit, though. I also liked uh, C.J. Stroud. So, I, if I had to rank them, I would go um, Bryce, C.J., Aiden, Pickett. I just didn't love uh, Pickett's suit and tie. No. I saw some, some pictures, though, of Pickett out uh, after the Heisman ceremony. It looked like he was having a good time in New York City. Oh, I hope so. I hope he lived it up. It's a, the weekend of a lifetime. Yeah. I, Hutchinson coming in second was, was surprising to me. Yeah, he looks like he had 273. I mean, he dominated. He was this – this was a yeah. runaway first and foremost. But, um, yeah, that, that is wild. He finished above uh, Pickett or Stroud just because of the way voters vote. Not necessarily. Yeah. I know I just said earlier that I, I'm surprised Anderson didn't finish above those guys, but the way people uh, think about quarterbacks and how this has kind of been a quarterback's award the past 20 years. But One thing I thought was funny and Bryce Young's acceptance speech, which first of all, I've never seen someone thank so many people. Uh, yeah, he sounds like a really – he sounds like a, like a really uh, – he was raised the right way. So we're, you know, same with Devontae Smith last year. Just yeah. like stand-up stand up individuals. But his – me against the world mentality acting like he was fighting this enormous uphill battle to get here i think it's pretty funny considering he was a five-star quarterback from modern day <laughs> well that that's funny too because there's a there's a nick saban quote talking about um this receiver out of uh i think he's the miami area and um like other receivers coach like came up to nick he's like the coach he's he's only a four star and like coach Saban's like, Oh, well I'll make him a five star. That receiver was Amari. That receiver was Amari Cooper. So <laughs> it's like, I guess that's just an Alabama thing maybe, but it, it is kind of funny that, um, I, but that being said, Bryce, he's a little on the smaller side. So you can see where he maybe had some doubters, but um, anybody that's actually watched him play knows none of that crap is true. Yeah. That Whatever guy, you're going to do though. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, any, anything that motivates you, uh, yeah, so that was a uh, – I don't know. I would, it was an uneventful Heisman race this season after – or at least the way it ended. But Bryce Young was a very deserving winner. So, uh, and like you said, real – I mean, he's going to – I would assume I haven't seen – or I don't have him in front of me. I've seen the, the Heisman knowledge. I don't remember. Is he the favorite no, going into next year? Let me look it up. I would assume so. I saw uh, – and we'll talk about Rattler in a second, but I saw Rattler was, uh, had better odds than – than Caleb Williams, which I thought was interesting. It's kind of odd. Um, let's see. Oh, that's old. Actually, no, it's not. It, eh, because Hutchinson isn't coming back, but this website has him listed um, with a chance to win next year, but I don't believe he's going to be staying in school. Um, it has in Pickett, same deal, but Williams is up there. Ibrahim from Minnesota. This can't be this year's list. No. Yeah, it's not. No, that's old. Here, I'm pulling yeah, some but up, yeah. too. 
yeah, he's, he's got a pretty good chance. I mean, you got to think it's, you know, him, CJ Shroud, Travion Henderson, Caleb Williams, uh, let's, those type. Oh, here we go. Bryce Young plus 200, CJ Stroud plus 400, Spencer Rattler plus 700, Caleb Williams plus 1,000, K- uh, Kenneth Walker plus 1,200, Travion Henderson plus 1,500, DJ plus 1,600. That's lighting money on fire. Uh, Bijan Robinson, 1,800. JT Daniels plus 2,000. And then this is shocking. Kennedy Brooks plus 4,000. I doubt he even comes back next season. So that's. Yeah, he's a running back. He's, he's been in Norman a while. He's got to go make some money. Yeah, that would be an interesting decision on his part. But yeah, Irving Heisman winner gone. So some more coaches. Uh, Dan Landing, Georgia defense coordinator, young guy. Uh, lands at Oregon with a six-year deal, $6 million a year, which compared to these other numbers we're seeing on other coaches, Oregon's getting a, a steal on landing. I'm not saying the guy's going to be a – we don't – he's, you know, doesn't have any experience as a head coach, very young, but uh, they're saving, saving some money with, uh, with landing at the helm compared to what it would have cost them to keep first of all there. Yeah, and talking with uh, one of my buddies that went to Oregon, he was telling me it's um, the school's thinking, or some donors anyway. Just like he's not necessarily in the know, but he um, he hears people talk and he follows all those warning people on Twitter that they they see the rest of the conference going offense. USC, Lincoln Riley. I mean, UCLA, Chip Kelly. Obviously, UCLA is not the Oregon of old, but um, a lot of high-powered offenses that are trying to be born in that conference. So part of Oregon's thinking possibly is, hey, let's go get the top defensive coordinator in the country and make him our guy, and we'll, we'll find an identity with a strong defense and, and being super physical, which I don't think is a, is a dumb idea at all, especially getting no. the premium they are. Yeah. Did you see uh, – and speaking of other defensive guys, Justin Wilcox, uh, head coach at Cal. Who Said no. Former D- yeah, defensive guy. He played at Oregon. He grew up in Eugene or definitely in the state of Oregon. And he declined the job, which is just bizarre, isn't it? Yeah, I guess somebody is raising concern. An old Oregon alum was saying um, he he's worried that enough Oregon alum like he that worries him that an Oregon alum former player played Oregon. He said that that concerns me about the school and the direction it's headed. But I think that might be a little bit of an overreaction. Um, Wilcox obviously must know something we don't, though, because I don't know too many people who are staying at Cal and not going back to Oregon. So that's pretty interesting. But they have that's a really good job. The fan base cares. Um, they pack that stadium. Yeah. And I don't know how many it sits. I think it might be like 65. And then obviously one of the best donors you can have in sport in Phil yeah. Knight. So um, you get more – you get most of what you want. And then just recruiting. Recruiting Oregon is you're recruiting Nike. And they've you know got I mean? more resource. They've got more resources than anyone. I mean, they, I think it's easily a top fifteen job in the country, if not a top ten. I mean, that's a really, really good job, and one of the two really elite jobs in the Pac-12. I mean, USC is, you know, the premier program or historically. I'd, I'd say that's the number. I'd say it's the number two job in the Pac-12. Yeah, easily, easily. But the, yeah, and speaking of uh, players, former Oregon guys being concerned, did you see that fourteen for? Former players sent a letter to the athletic director uh, saying they had they were concerned that Oregon had lost its way, kind of what you were referring to. And yeah, included yeah. Herbert, Mariota, and Achilles Smith were all 
guys that uh, signed that letter. So, so which is which is odd because um, like the my my friend from Oregon, he kept saying Oregon's never really had like an identity, so to speak. Like, like you think of like Clemson, you're like they're, they've been known for their D line, so just like certain. Oregon used to have a good defense, and they were known for being the really high up tempo offense. That hasn't always been a thing in Oregon. I'm pretty sure. Like the only that, identity Oregon has is Nike. That's their identity. Yeah, like right? the, their identity is Nike, and on the field they don't really have one. They're just normally a good program. They're yeah. solid both sides of the ball. So, I, I that's the letter. I, I don't get it, but like they definitely obviously know more than I do about that program and the ins and outs and what's going on. So. Uh, maybe there is something to it. Yeah. But I do think yeah. it's a good hire. I do too. I mean, Lanning was a guy that, that OU uh, apparently was l- looking at as well. So really uh, highly respected guy, but you do wonder, he's an SEC guy. I mean, this trend of, of Oregon coaches uh, jumping uh, quickly, and that's uh, Cristobal is the most recent to do it. If Lanning has an opportunity to get, you know, he's from Kansas City, so if he has a good opportunity – in the Big Ten or the SEC, uh, I mean, he who knows if he's like a, a guy that's going to stick around at Oregon for too long. They've had back-to-back Taggart and then Cristobal, back-to-back coaches that, that left the second they had – not the second, but this, when yeah, they had – Yeah, no, 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 the second. Like the, for the first opportunity that they had to jump for a Florida school job, they, they did. Yeah, yeah. It's their third, there's their third coach since 2016. Yeah, because they had Helfrich who got fired, then Taggart now. Chris Which Ball, is yeah, wild so. because Helfrich is probably the worst of those coaches, and he won a conference title. No, yeah, he that. did. I think they played in a national championship under Helfrich, didn't they? Let's that see. game they lost to uh, Florida State, I think. Which Mark Helfrich? I don't know how he didn't have another job. I think he might be. He's on Fox Sports. On, yeah, he's on. Yeah, he's with Fox Sports now. He was there for three, or he was the head coach for three years. But uh, let's see what they did. Yeah, he was Mariota's. Yeah, they they were in the playoff. That was the year they um, they beat Jameis in the inaugural playoff. Mariota lost Ohio playoff. State. They lost Ohio yeah. State, right? Yeah. Yep. Crazy. I mean, that's uh, it'll be interesting. Interesting to see what happens. So a lot of a lot of changes in the Pac-12. Going to be interesting to see who who over the next decade or so is going to be be the team to beat. Yeah. Uh, okay. Moving. Uh, Enormous transfer news. Uh, Spencer Rattler, along with Austin Stogner, uh, his OU teammate, tight end, are transferring uh, from Oklahoma to South Carolina, which the Stogner news is not surprising to me at all. He, uh, Beamer, Shane Beamer was his position coach at, at OU. But, I mean, to be able to reel in Rattler can be a, a really a program-changing deal for, for Beamer after getting to bowl eligibility this year. Uh, I mean, this is this is enormous. Uh, I was shocked. I thought Rattler would be heading to the Pac-12, like a UCLA, Arizona State, Arizona, something like that. But instead, he's running to the SEC, doing the opposite of Lincoln. So uh, what are your thoughts on specifically Rattler? We can talk more about Stogner if we want, but Rattler's um, the big news. Yeah. No, like you said, it was pretty surprising. If I had to guess, Shane might have put the full court press on. Um, and use Stogner to do it. That would make the most sense, right? Which yeah, obviously I think they're boys too. I was gonna say. So to me, that also says 
not everybody in that OU locker room hated Spencer like it was painted out when he got benched. You know what I mean? Like, because no, yeah. if, if Austin's willing to go out on a limb and, and get him to South Carolina and have him come with him, obviously they're, they're buddies. You wouldn't do that for somebody you don't like. Uh, but an incredibly huge get for Shane Beamer, a guy that nobody thought was probably going to be that good in the first year of coach, didn't have a whole lot to work with. And they have a chance to win seven games in year one. And that was also by starting a 28-year-old grad assistant quarterback for, I think, three or four of the games they played. Yeah. Um, The SEC East is also incredibly weak. It's bad besides Georgia and Florida's down. They have a new coach, too, so we'll see. But South Carolina, um, I don't know the entire makeup of their roster, but getting a guy like Spencer Sanders and then another guy in Stogner who – was a I think a you might know five star out of high school, I think a high four star, high four. Uh, he was one of the top tight ends in the country. I do know that. Yeah, but th- that's a guy who could be an all conference player. You could have two all all SEC guys um, helping out a team that was fairly young this year and um, is well coached, obviously. Yeah, and looking back on on this season for Rattler, he took so much blame, including for me. I mean, he got so much grief. He got booed by the OU fans. But you got to wonder, what, what, where is Spencer Rattler? Is Spencer Rattler entering the draft right now? If he didn't have a coach with a foot out the door, you know who? Who knows? Yeah, really. no, that also it, he he's in a way uh, a victim as well. The, I mean, of the Lincoln stuff. You wonder if how, how much more patient Lincoln would have been if um, he was fully committed to being an Oklahoma Sooner for the the rest of his contract. But that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, because there was a clear difference between. 2020 Rattler and 2021 Rattler, especially into the season 2020, because that was an elite quarterback. And if Shane Beamer can get that out of out of Rattler, I mean, I agree. The SEC East outside of Georgia is pretty wide open. So, I mean, I think this also, raises it, it, expectations very quickly, though, for Beamer, who, you know, was was kind of riding, you know, he's a great guy. He got him to bowl eligibility. Now, what's the expectation in South Carolina? I mean, I would assume at least an eight, nine win type type team. Yeah, absolutely. No, and, uh, then, and then Spencer too. It's a there's what better conference to go prove yourself in, right? For scouts, if you can do it in the SEC, even though it's the the other division, you know, people are going to be impressed by that. They'll take notice if he goes out and has a great year. Yeah, I mean, if he goes out and performs well, I mean, he could easily put himself in that back in that first round conversation. He's got the the arm talent. I mean, makes some throws that you just not very many human beings can make. So uh, he's got an opportunity to, to kind of write, write the ship. Uh, I mean, I, I'll be rooting for the guy. I mean, it's Shane Beamer is super I, I, easy to root for. And you add in a couple, couple of OU guys. Um, they'll, they'll be as easy. A, as a Zach, as a Zach Rooley first ballot Sooner Hall of Fame guy, I will definitely be cheering for Spencer Rattler to recover and have a good season. Yeah. It would be very cool to see. Um, Another big uh, entry in the transfer portal, Caden, or Caden Slovis, former USC starter, is heading out after it seemed that, that Jackson Dart had kind of secured his, his spot as the guy for USC. So he must have seen the writing on the wall with, with Lincoln coming in. Uh, but he's going to be another guy that a lot of Power 5 programs are going to be interested in. He's, USC just happened to have two really good quarterbacks on the roster. He's a guy that's going to make going to make someone better, that's for sure. Yeah, I saw a couple of lists that I'm pretty sure he's an Arizona kid. Could be wrong on that. He um, is, yeah. 
yeah, the, this list I was looking at when he when he announced it, it was saying Iowa State could maybe take a run at him. Brock Purdy is a native Arizonian. Mm-hmm. Um, so Campbell does have some success recruiting that area or just um, coaching well with those types of players. But I would venture to guess he stays out west. It wouldn't surprise me if he ended up at like Arizona, Arizona State, went back in state. But at the same time, who actually knows? Because Spencer Rattler to South Carolina was nowhere on the radar. Right. Um, until it happened. But yeah, who knows? He he's gonna be in high demand. Anytime you can get a, a quarterback with um real reps in real uh power five games, uh teams normally jump all over that. Yeah, he's a guy like like Rattler that kind of started his career was super hot. He true started as a true freshman at USC due to, the, due to a JT Daniels injury. And I mean, just looked like he was going to be a phenom and then inconsistency and confidence issues last year. Uh, and then injuries this year kind of, kind of derailed things for him. But I mean, if he can get back to that 2019 form, he's going to, he's going to, you know, be a guy that can put himself in an NFL draft conversation. The transfer portal has been, has been insane this year. I, I yeah, think there, it's going to get I don't think more, there's more enough, crazy. There's not an, there, Gundy talks about all, no for how and, many guys. There's no way they need to find a way to police that. There's not enough spots on all these teams for how many stay in the portal. They don't go anywhere. They're just still in the portal. And then I mean, it takes spots from high school kids, and then you add in the the COVID year, and it just makes things crazier. I mean, guys are getting yeah. squeezed out of scholarships. I mean, certain kids are going to get. You know, they enter the portal. Suddenly, like you said, they're just in the portal. Their old team might not want it back, and then they're just shit out of luck. So, yeah, you should see basketball, college basketball transfer portal stuff's even more bananas because there's like 450 Division One teams or something crazy like that. Um, 15 kids a roster. It, it just it gets ridiculous. And then that's just D1. So you have kids from D3 entering the portal, D2, and that's football is the same way. But um, they'll have to figure something out. Yeah, it's a really, really odd, odd time in college sports. You know, combine that with the NIL stuff. Did you see – have you seen what Texas is doing with their offense alignment? They're, like, pooling Yeah, they each, get like 50, they each get 50 grand. Yeah. Right? Every single offense alignment. Yeah. So, yeah. speaking of, of Texas, that's a perfect segue. Mm-hmm. They land Quinn Ewers, five-star quarterback. Um, you as an OU fan, I'm sure that's a little – not a kick in the plums, but you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't mind seeing him somewhere other than Yeah. Your arch I mean, rival. The guy is one of the most if you haven't watched his film, everyone, you go do it. I mean, he was the number one player in the twenty twenty two class before reclassifying going to Ohio State early last year. I mean the guy is, is insane. I mean the, the so, he he's a I mean, a guy that if he's not a first round pick, it would be shocking, that type of talent. So he's one of four players ever to receive a perfect score on uh, rivals or 24 seven sports. If you're into all the recruiting, um, I think like Robert income, DJ him, God, there's two more. I can't remember the two. He wouldn't have one of you wouldn't have heard of. And then the other one's like, Oh, Jadavion Clowney. That was the third. I can't remember the other guy's name, but he's the real deal. And the reason I bring him up in the, as the segue to the NIL stuff, there was a rumor about, Two and a half weeks ago, um, on Message Board Genius. If you don't follow them, you should. That's Pretty a funny great stuff. Twitter. Great Twitter account. But on the Texas site, this guy reported that Ewers to Texas was a done NIL deal. Then he would sign with Texas, basically pay to pay for play. 
but apparently, and this guy posted again, he's like, hey, it's done. This thing, this NIL deal is in the neighborhood of $4 million. So, so if that's true, Ewers has made $5 million playing college ball, and he's played two plays. Yeah, he has, he has not thrown the ball at the college level yet. He has not attempted a pass. Yeah, well, yeah, it he was a million been, bucks to Ohio State, right, for one semester. Yeah, not playing. So the other, the other message board genius post that was hilarious was from Texas Tech because allegedly those were the final two. Was this guy posting about how his buddy is a drug dealer in Lubbock, and he sold <laughs> weed awesome. and he and he sold weed to Quinn Ewers' best friend, and that guy said Quinn was coming to Texas Tech, which me as an OSU fan, I was terrified. I don't want Tech getting good again. I mean, I do and I don't. I don't want them getting. One of the best alleged quarter. Yeah, that's a little too good. Um, But ultimately chose Texas. And if that numbers to the NIL stuff, that's insane. Yeah, that's – I mean, my – the NIL stuff is is really, really scary to me because it's now not only – I'm all for guys, you know, getting sponsorship deals, having sponsorship recruiting deal where it's just pay for yeah. play and these and big alums they're not they're just pooling their money together starting a new deal where they're they're gonna have a million dollar fund for every season to be used to to uh, pay players and the money's just straight up coming from alums including uh including eric dickerson so this is what smu has been waiting for for years yeah they <laughs> can be able legally the, pay they can, yeah they can finally operate in the light instead of the shadows now but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a pretty maybe, scary maybe, thought. Maybe they okay. should cap it. You can only make so much, maybe. I think that would have people up in arms as well. But if you said you can only make X, yeah, that definitely would work. Players wouldn't go for that, especially after getting a taste of the good life and making like millions, literally millions of dollars that Quinn Ewers could have. Um, yeah. they, w- they wouldn't go for that. But I get what you're saying, and it's a slippery slope. The day, though, you know, a very small percentage of these players are actually making big bucks. But oh yeah, I mean, that's he's an anomaly at this point. But then again, you know, schools like Texas, Texas AM, Ohio State are gonna that it's gonna be a little different. I mean, when you could pay an offensive lineman that's a riding the bench fifty thousand bucks, I mean, why would you not go play there if you're, you know, eighteen year old kid that's never seen that kind of money and they say, Hey, you come yeah. here and you're gonna be changing type money for like so i mean i, I get it it's just <laughs> yeah it's going to be interesting to see how this you know start putting some sort of controls in place but who knows agreed uh the always fun army navy but but navy came out on top 17 to 13 and i think what was like was it the four, 15th straight year that the under hit? Yes, something like that. Pretty pretty wild stat, but not super crazy when you think about who's playing. Uh, I mean, it's always did you watch, fun. Did you watch the game? Uh, on off. So, Navy had a – I don't know if you saw the fake punt. Oh, yeah. Diego, no, okay. Diego <laughs> Fago, their, be, their best player on either side of the ball. That's a horrible spelling. That is not um, – <laughs> for yeah, go. A, that's an interesting way to pronounce that, that spelling. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But no, no, of course not. He's, so he's the up back on the punt team. Somehow the ball lands in his lap. It looks like it was a perfectly designed fake. Well, they ask um, Navy's head coach, can't think of it, it's Ken something, 
can't think of his last name. It's been there a long time. But they asked him, they were like, what What gave you the, the nuts, basically, to call that play? He's like, I didn't. It was by accident. And then they asked uh, the star linebacker, Diego, did you, know, did you know that was happening? He said, no, the ball just came to me. So obviously the punter or the long snapper just called it on their own and went rogue or it was just that bad of a snap, but it worked out because they got the first down and were able to uh, ice the game after that. Yeah. I was watching when that happened. I was, so, I was like, man, that's kind of weird that they faked it because it was what, like fourth and a half a yard. Like they run a triple option. You might as well just try yeah, it just off go get and hand it to your fullback yeah. or do a QB sneak or yeah. So I, yeah, I saw it. That was, that was funny. But I mean, that, they also threw, they also threw the ball a lot more than I remember. Like you don't, I didn't see as much Saturday of the like classic, no, like triple option stuff, like the pitches Navy pitched, and, and all I that. I think Navy only pitched the ball like once or twice. I mean, they were doing the yeah, pullback our, our, dives. They're they're doing a lot more like reverses, and I think the triple yeah, option. didn't do that either, though. Right? Yeah, it was. It, I just think there's been. I mean, the the triple option option offense probably just kind of evolves over time. And the key, you know, when you don't have a Keenan Reynolds or – Yeah, it's you know, tough to run that. Yeah. Right, you need – you, you need right. a, a – I mean, because that is a – when I mean, like, for example, when they – when Navy had Keenan Reynolds, I mean, there's no stopping that that offense. I mean – Yeah, he was, could, he was legit. Yeah, but, I mean, there's nothing quite like that game. The atmosphere uh, is, is awesome. Definitely so. on the bucket list, like I said last week. Yep, 100. percent That would be a, a really fun game to go to someday. Um, okay, so let's just kind of briefly touch on uh, the first uh, set of bowl games. So we'll just go the, the upcoming games for this weekend, and then Monday and Tuesday of next week as well. Nothing, no, uh, nothing huge. But if you got any thoughts on any of them, just just spit it out. We'll go through these quickly. So on Friday, the first bowl game. The legendary Bahamas Bowl uh, between uh, Middle Tennessee State and Toledo. Middle Tennessee is a ten and a half point dog. Uh, Toledo won the last three games to finish seven and five. They played Notre Dame close this season. Uh, I don't really have any thoughts on this game besides I'm interested in the over on this one. So the over under is fifty two, uh, which is thirteen points lower than the average combined scores between these two. So I don't know much honestly about either of these teams. I think Toledo is a significantly better team. Middle Tennessee finished kind of towards the back of the pack in their own division in the Conference USA. Um, but I, I like Toledo to win this one, but not much. I like, Toledo, I like Toledo, too. I didn't know the total, but I do like that number. I, I watched a little bit of Mac football on Tuesday nights. Toledo has a pretty good running back, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah looking at they run the ball yeah. well. Yeah, Bryant Kobach, he had 100, 190 rushes, 1,300 yards, 15 touchdowns. He, he's kind of a mojack. Um, neither of these defenses are super fantastic. Um, actually, Toledo's is fair, but yeah, they're both no, pretty good offenses, though. Yeah, they are. Toledo, uh, the fifty-two number sounds good, but I don't know about ten and a half. I wonder. This is just a random thought, and I might be completely off base. Could this under have anything to do with that horrible grass they have at this bowl game? Uh, quite possibly. That turf gets torn up uh, when yeah. they play on it. Yeah, like the but one game this 10,000 stadium fun. hosts yeah. football. It's, it's a, you remember that for, you remember the do you remember the inaugural uh how could I forget it was Central Michigan uh, Western Kentucky, right? Yeah, 49-48 that insane Hail Mary yeah, Coop, ladder. Cooper 
Cooper fucking Rush, the same guy that beat OSU. Hey, yeah. The next year in Stillwater. Yeah. Yeah. On basement, the same fucking play. Yeah. Yeah, and then they missed the two-point conversion. Well, they were also down. They are also down like 20-something or yeah. something absurd, right? Like, it was a hell of a comeback to even get that close. I, I This is insane to say. That's one of the more vivid bowl memories. I I can just imagine that play. Like, when I saw Bahamas Bowl, I immediately think that game. It's – that was wild. I, rem- I remember the Hail Mary, like the scrambling and all that and the dive at the pylon. I remember that the most. I don't, really, I don't even remember the two-point or the – because you have to go for two in that scenario. Oh, you can't fucking, 100%. You can't go – you're not going to overtime. Like, you just marched all the way back. You were dead in the water anyway. It's like, you got to put it out on the line. Yep. You do. All right, let's go through these other ones. Uh, the Cure Bowl, which is the following day on Saturday. A bunch of games on Saturday. Uh, Cure Bowl, Northern Illinois, 10.5-point dog to Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina with another uh, double-digit win season. Went 10-2 and two, but missed out on playing in the, in the Sun Belt title game. Uh, the Sun Belt had some, some quality depth this season. Northern Illinois, winners of the MAC at 9-4. and four. Really good turnaround after a winless 2020. Uh, I like Coastal in this one. But that ten and a half seems pretty big for a a good solid Northern Illinois team. Is uh, McCall playing? I believe he is. Hmm. I don't. You're I don't not, know that one hundred percent sure, but I haven't seen anything. That I just. I hate. I hate the ten and a half number. I probably wouldn't touch it, but I'll take Coastal. Yep. All right, Boca Raton Bowl, Western Kentucky, three point dog to App State. Both these teams lost their conference championship games. Uh, that Western Kentucky offense is very, very explosive. Bailey Zapp, Zappy, uh, their their quarterback. I think it's Zapp. Zapp leads the nation yeah. in passing yards, over fifty five hundred yards and fifty six touchdowns. So they'll throw the ball over all over the place. But their offensive coordinator is gone. He left for for Texas Tech. So inter- interested to see uh, if that plays, but or has much of an impact on this offense. Uh, this should be a, a a good game. Though App State, as usual. Uh, is had a really good season, so uh, this is probably one of the better games on Saturday. I'm gonna go with uh, Western Kentucky because one, they have a cooler nickname, Hilltoppers. Their mascot is terrifying. Mascot. Yeah. Um, and Bailey Zap, he's legit. Uh, I watched their conference title game. He's a dude, and he has a chance to play. I don't know. I'd assume this game's on ESPN, right? Yeah, it's on ESPN. Uh, yeah. na- na- national television game or not national television game, but. To most across the country that have more than basic cable, um, yeah, he's got a chance to play on a big stage in front of a lot of eyeballs, including NFL scouts in a particularly weak quarterback draft class. So he's got a chance to make an impression Saturday, but he can sling it. Yeah, yeah, I think I agree with you. The, the quarterback mismatch is pretty significant here. Uh, Chase Bryce, the former Clemson quarterbacks, App State's quarterback. Uh, App State's probably the more well-rounded team as a whole but i mean when you have a significant advantage quarterback it kind of offsets things Uh, i'll probably lean towards app state on this one but i don't feel confident in that i think this will be a really really good good matchup all right uh new mexico bowl a staple uh, of the opening weekend in bowl games uh utep with a their first bowl appearance since 2014 which was also the new mexico bowl Uh, they're an 11 and a half point dog to fresno state who is without their coach who's heading to washington and there's a question mark about their quarterback situation as their star quarterback, Jake Hayner, had had entered the transfer portal, but since uh, withdrew from the portal after they named former Fresno coach uh, Jeff Tedford their head coach. Tedford won't be coaching the bowl game. 
uh, Lee Marks will be the interim head coach. So I don't know how to feel about this one because UTEP struggled against all the decent teams they played against. Uh, they lost by 41 to Boise State, lost by 21 to UTSA, by 17 to UAB. But Fresno might be without their quarterback. They're going to have a somewhat of a coaching staff, not a full staff. So Fresno is a significantly more talented football team, but they're uh, on a lot shakier grounds. So don't really know what to expect from this game. Um, from what I read is that he's coming back. He, like, apologized for entering the portal. Um, yeah, I know. He's definitely coming back, but I think there's uncertain – because he hasn't been going through bowl practices. Interesting. Um, so he'll be there suited up. I just think there's – and I would I'll, assume he's going to start. I'll but. take I'll take Fresno no matter what. But also, yeah. it would have been a really weird story if he would have gone back to Washington because originally he started at Washington, transferred yeah. to Fresno State, and would have been going – in because that was the speculation. They got Michael Penix today, the – Mm-hmm. Um, Indiana quarterback in the transfer portal. So Hayner is not really needed anymore anyway, but uh, definitely something to keep an eye on. But um, Fresno State, I would assume, rolls here. I agree, even without the – even with the coaching change. I, I think they'll, they'll roll. They're a much more talented team. Um, Independence Bowl in the beautiful Shreveport, Louisiana. BYU, 13th-ranked team in the country, is a seven-point favorite over UAB. I mean, talk about an absolutely brutal break for BYU. I mean, you're one spot in the rankings away from potentially being in a New Year's Six Bowl, and next thing you know, you're playing opening weekend bowl season against a, a Conference USA team that didn't even make it to their, their own league championship. That didn't have a football program uh, five years ago, remember? Yeah, they literally yeah, – exactly. they, were, they, were they were shut down for like two seasons, and they're mm-hmm. – which is so, why I'm picking I'm picking UAB because BYU in Louisiana, anywhere in the state of Louisiana, just makes no sense. And my mind is trying to wrap its head around their fans and, and the team interacting with the good people of Shreveport. So I, I'm going with UAB for that reason. I like I like B, I like BYU. And I like I think I might hop on BYU to uh, to cover as well. I I think I w- I'm a little worried about BYU's motivation, you know, after such a good season where yeah. they went 10-2. and two. You know what? I'd be pissed about if I was a BYU fan. So they went 10-2. and two. Utah went 9-3. and Utah is playing in the Rose Bowl. Oh, and they beat Utah. Utah's playing in the Rose Bowl. BYU's playing in the Independence Bowl. I have yeah, a, but, that, a, a but now cohort. that's what they get for not being in a conference, though. Yep, know? exactly. And so I bet you they are very, very ready to get to the Big 12. I have a coworker that's a BYU guy. And they are uh, – they want to get there as quickly as possible. So they'd be Alamo Bowl or Camping World Bowl in the Big 12, depending on how – I think they'd be Al- – I think they'd be Alamo Bowl because they're ranked ahead of OU. If, say, okay, yeah, so they, in there. Yeah, so they'd, they'd be Alamo Bowl, which is obviously a hell of a lot better. And they'd be getting to beat up on a Pac-12 team again. But, yeah, their motivation will be pretty interesting in this one. Yeah. Uh, side note, Kalani Sataki did sign a big new deal with BYU, so – that was huge for BYU because it's good. I know he was drawing interest from Oregon and some other other big West or programs out West. Uh, the L Los Angeles Bowl. I think it's the. I think this is the one that's like the Jimmy Kimmel Los Angeles Bowl or Jimmy or it, one of those late night hosts in LA is like sponsor of this bowl. Uh, Utah State champs of the Mountain West, seven and a half point dog to Oregon State. Uh, I love Utah State. 
Got a 10-1 season. Blake Anderson's a hell of a coach, and he's building something there. Um, really, really well around the team. Oregon State, uh, Jonathan, Jonathan Smith has them the best spot they've been in a long time, but I just don't see a seven-and-a-half point difference between these two programs. I don't see seven-and-a-half either, but I do think Oregon State's going to win the game. I think they – they have a good ball club this year and they understand this position to capitalize and gain a little bit more momentum. I'm not saying they're going to be as good as Oregon or anything next year, but um, kind of an opportunity to close the gap. And I think they know a bowl game and ride high into the off season would certainly help their confidence going into next season and be a pretty big uh, pick me up, if you will. Yeah, for sure. New Orleans bowl, uh, Marshall and uh, Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, Louisiana is going to be without Billy Napier as he's off to Gainesville as the head coach of Florida. Florida. But this is a veteran team that's won a lot of of games over the last few years. So I wouldn't be too worried about whether they're ready to go or not. Uh, Louisiana is going to have a big uh, home field advantage. Lafayette's only a few hours away. So uh, big, big game – or not big game, but, you know, Good, really good season for Louisiana. So they've got an opportunity to, to cap it with a, a, a bowl win in their home state. Uh, and I, I like Louisiana in this one. I love Louisiana. The guy they hired was their their OC. Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to try and say his name. He's it's very, a great Cajun man. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's Cajun. I don't know if he, in his press conference, he was like, I'll, he literally gets up there. He's like, I'll make this short and sweet. I heard they have crawfish and beer back there. So yeah, I'm I good. love that. Um, but it's a home game. They're gonna, I think they're going to probably stomp them. They're going to be motivated to play for this guy. And like like we said before, it's a little different because this guy's in-house, but you only get one chance at a first impression. So yeah, anybody out there, this guy's a new – he's seeing the whole team now, not just the offense. The, the defensive guys are going to play hard for him. Um, the offense is going to play hard for him. I think they beat him pretty good. Yeah, I agree with you. All right, on – so that was the end of all those, the Saturday games. So let's go at least the last couple of years for the Monday, Tuesday games. The one game on Monday, Tulsa, who won their last three games uh, to get bowl eligible, eight and a half point favorite over Old Dominion. Tulsa playing, playing really well. They've got a stingy defense. Uh, nearly won four in a row. They could have beaten Cincinnati in Cincinnati. Uh, Gillespie, though, t- their defensive coordinator, took the job at TCU. Uh, and that defense, though, is, is kind of what you can count on. Uh, but – their players will be there, so uh, I I don't think Tulsa should have have any issue with Old Dominion. No, I he did take a couple defensive backs, I think, with him, two of them maybe. Um, but I think TU wins as well, as much as that pains me to say it. Phil Montgomery saves his job by miraculously winning um, three straight and making a bowl game. Uh, but I, I think TU is going to beat them pretty good. The, the my, defense is legit. The defense my one is like cons- legitimately good. Really, really good. I mean, just looking through it, I mean, they held OSU to 28. They've Not impressive. Not impressive. They held uh, – in their last few games, so SMU scored 34 or 31, but SMU's got a good offense. They held Temple to 10. They held Tulane to 13. They held Cincinnati to 28, which isn't bad. They held Navy to 20. So, yeah, I mean, they don't – they're not giving up a lot of points. My only concern with Tulsa is they do seem to play – to their competition's level. As you can see, you know, when you lose to, to UC yeah. Davis and you lose to Navy, I mean, they play close football games. Yeah. So I wouldn't touch that spread, but I do think they'll win. Um, the Tuesday bowl games, 
the old famous Idaho potato game, Kent State and Wyoming. Uh, I don't have a lean one way or another. I have won a good amount of money betting against Wyoming, so that's always intriguing, but I don't have too many thoughts on this game yet. I have no opinion, but does Wyoming not play in the same conference as Boise State? They do. They're both not most teams. All right, so Wyoming's a little more comfortable on the blue turf. Mm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Wyoming for that reason. Yeah. I, they, they've I'll, played there. Yeah. Yep. If I have any thoughts on this later, I'll, I'll tweet them out or something. All right, last I'm one here. <laughs> the Frisco Bowl. Uh, this should be a good one. UTSA, uh, champs of the Conference USA, uh, 12 and one season against uh, two lost San Diego State, who, who lost the Mountain West title game. To Utah State, but they were really, really uh, shorthanded as they had a lot of guys out with COVID. I love San Diego State here. I think they're the better team. I think they played a much tougher schedule, have more beat anyone good all year. They have a win over Illinois. They have a win over uh, Western Kentucky in the conference championship. But San Diego State, that defense travels. Uh, I think they're the more talented team. I think they'll be fired up after, you know, losing that opportunity to win the, the conference title being so shorthanded. So I like San Diego State here. They're a dog. They're a two and a half one dog. I like San Diego State money line. Uh, I don't really have a ton to say about it. PSA just because I bet them numerous times this year and they never let me down. I think I went like six or seven and one betting with them. or uh, So I got to have faith in the Roadrunners. But I do love San Diego State's punter. That's well-documented. I think he's awesome. I hope he punts 20 times in that bowl game so we can all watch it. Did you see? So he was obviously first-team All-American. And there – so not only to get a, a pay bump or a bonus because of it, their offensive and defensive coordinators got, got pay bumps because they had a first-team All-American on the team. So – this kid That's doing ridiculous. 80, 90 yard bombs got got his coaches paid. So well, hopefully he gets a cut. Yeah, you, you would hope. I mean, they can do that nowadays. Just, you know, yeah. And I held All right. So that's all we've got for bowl games. Next week we'll we'll take a dive into the next set of games. Uh, we're gonna wrap up here. We we put on Instagram uh, and Twitter uh, an opportunity for some fan questions or uh, topics they wanted us to discuss. And a good one we got was from my man Red in Tulsa, who uh, was asking about our thoughts on OU's hire uh, of, of Ted Roof, who was most recently an analyst at Clemson. Uh, I've got a lot of thoughts on this one, really. I don't know if you have, have any thoughts. I have, so. I, I, have, I have zero other than I wish it would have been uh, whichever Stoops brother was fired by OU. You, know, you want to bring Mike back? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. <laughs> He's, he's awesome. Oh, yeah. So that, that's one thing. It will be tough. So the, the, the reaction to Ted Roof being hired was, for most OU fans, who the hell is Ted Roof? I had heard of him before, but honestly could tell you I knew nothing about him. Uh, it's an underwhelming hire when you think of, you know, Oklahoma hiring a guy named Ted Roof. He's the definition of a journeyman in college football. He's had 21 stop stops in his 34 year career. He's never been anywhere more than four consecutive years. And that was at Duke. Uh, he was the DC there and then was the head coach for two years where he went 
six and 45 at three and 33 in ACC play. He's had some good defenses at times, uh, but has been inconsistent. Uh, he's had stops at Georgia Tech, Penn State, Auburn, and their national championship season, but they had Cam Newton. Their defense wasn't very good. Uh, <laughs> and they had, they had Nick Farley on that team. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's very, very underwhelming. It's a, uh, you know, Venables really pushes loyalty. I mean, he is the definition of loyalty. He's been at three schools in his entire coaching career. So it's interesting, interesting to, to me that he brings Roof in to be his, his DC. Uh, but Roof, like I said, was an analyst at Clemson in the last couple of years. So there's something that Venables sees in him. So I'm not ready to, you know, go after Venables for this one. Cause I'm sure there's a reasoning there, there, there's got to be a reason Venables thinks he's a good guy to, to be the coordinator for his defense. If there's good news for OU fans here, I think it shows that this is going to be Brent Venables' defense. You know, he, you know, Brent Venables is a D coordinator and a linebackers coach, and, and Roof's going to be the linebackers coach and the defense coordinator. So I think he's kind of going to be Venables' puppet. <laughs> Do it. It's going to be Venables' defense. So that's what OU you want Venables running the defense. Uh, but comparing this to the Levy hire, which was uh, about as good as they could have done on the opposite side of the ball, this is not a very, uh, not a very exciting hire to say the least. But you know, save some money, have Venables run the defense. Uh, and it's a, a guy you can, can throw under the bus if things ever go south. Oh, my early. goodness. And, and OU fans will certainly do that. They have no problem throwing people under the bus. Hell, yeah. Does it, not concern you, does it not concern you a little bit? Um, let, me, let me rephrase. So, when a coach, like Lincoln called all the plays, right? He's not mm-hmm. focused on the defense. I felt like Mike Gundy took a jump as a coach when he relinquished play calling and hired an offensive coordinator. And he, he used to not even watch the fucking defense play, dude. He was he was I, on the bench, like, yelling. Do you do, – I don't know if I love the idea of Venables calling see, all I don't, defensive plays. I don't think that Venables is actually week, though. I don't think Venables is going to be technically – I think Roof will – I don't – this hasn't been said by Venables yet. I do think Roof's going to call the defense. I just think it's going to be Venables' defense, which Roof knows being around him. The other thought is, why would any – defensive coordinator that's highly sought after want to come work for Venables. They want to run their own defense. So yeah, I think that's, that's fair. Part, another thing to think about. But, I mean, yeah, if, you know, if Venables, if, say, Roof is a fall guy, Venables has to, to go out and actually call each and every play, I, I think that's less than ideal. Having a little bit more of a CEO approach to your head coach. But, uh, you know, another thing with Roof is he does – all of his experience essentially outside of some time at Penn state um, is in the South and he's, he played at Georgia tech. He's got deep connections with high school coaches. So maybe there's a recruiting angle to it, but he's not a young guy. So I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll let it play out before, before judging our man, Ted roof, but not very inspiring to say the least. Um, I, I will say this about, OU. love Venables. I think he's an awesome coach. He seems like an awesome person. 
I did not realize Jeff Levy was at Baylor um, when all that stuff went down. He's he's his father, Ryle's father or son-in-law. Yeah, he's not. He doesn't sound like a good dude. I'll be straight up. He sounds kind of like a scumbag. Anybody? I don't like anybody that was like I don't like Philip Montgomery for that very reason. He got out a year before everything hit the fan, but he knew what the fuck was going on. Um, so Levy's on my list. Don't really enjoy him. I hope he implodes and does terribly. I don't think that's gonna happen. <laughs> it won't. It won't happen. That's the reason he has a job still. Because the same yeah. with Arbriles' son. Because they're good football coaches, not good human beings. As they put um, winning football games over things that matter far more. Not to get too serious, but um, yeah, I, I don't. I like will him. say. I will say. No one vets candidates or is as as worried about the outside opinion of his athletic department as much as Joe Castiglione. So. I do get the concerns with it. I, I don't really know. I mean, I, he was wearing Coach Art Bryles shirts. Remember when they had that, like, protest yeah. rally? And, and, like, this guy is – he seems a little odd. Yeah. Yeah, there's – I mean, I get I get the I, – I, I'm not going to – I don't really want to talk too much about it, but I do understand that thought. And, you know, it's just something that you're just going to have to live with at this point. I, I think – Yeah, no. It's I, I don't think – I don't necessarily think the guy's like a, a horrible human being, but there are reasons. I mean, I get why people will have their concerns, especially, you know, that was a horrible deal that happened to Baylor. So, <laughs> that, that, that's all I'll, yeah. I'll say on that. But I, I, I do understand the concern from that, from that perspective for sure. Well, uh, that's kind of all we had on our outline. Any? Do you have any anything you want to touch on before we before we wrap this thing up? Um, OSU was three feet away from winning the Big Twelve. That's it. You know, four tries admit, could do it. Eight tries could do it. 2031 20, might be the year. Somebody, right. I texted that to my buddies. He said we should have thrown a fade to um, Tay Martin. I said maybe oh. in. Ten, I said maybe ten years from now we'll throw a fade to whoever our best receiver is. Yeah, yeah. Twenty thirty one is going to be a big year for folks. All right. Mark it down. Well, yep. We, as always, we appreciate everyone giving us a, a listen. Uh, I would like so a lot of people have asked what's our, uh, you know, as the, the season wraps up here, what's kind of the plan moving forward uh, once the, the football season's over. So you know, this is a college football podcast, so we'll continue to discuss what's going on off the field in the off season, but we'll probably start adding some, some college basketball talk in as well, uh, which I would, you know, really, I'm a big college basketball guy, but, but really definitely knows the shit there. So we'll, we'll be talking college hoops. We'll be talking golf once PGA season ramps up. So uh, we'll continue to be doing college football stuff, but we'll, we'll start mixing in some other stuff as well. So that should be fun. Uh, as always, follow us on Instagram at the fifth year podcast and Twitter uh, at fifth year podcast and like rate subscribe on apple podcasts or on spotify as well and uh, let's have a fun bowl season